0: So, Ed, uh, first of all, I apologise to all the listeners who are expecting this show on Monday. Come Sunday morning. You should do. Should do. Come it's outrageous. S- come Sunday morning, I was just like, do you know what? Just don't want to do it today. She really did not fit. I hadn't watched the game yet. I was just like, just need a day off. So, sorry, everybody. Look, there's the
1: Prime Minister of our country fighting for his life. And what do you. I, I feel like a bit of a lion. Disgraceful. <laughs>
0: So I don't have to end up fighting didn't for my life. Didn't we win two World Wars for this, you know, Antsorge? <laughs> didn't we? Anyway. didn't? Isn't that exactly what we won World Wars? What's the point of winning World Wars if you can't have a lion afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we're back uh, to talk about a game that we promised we'd talk about earlier in the week. Um, but we're going to talk about it today because we have both watched um, Manchester United 3, Manchester City 2. From 94, was it? 94, 93? November the 7th, 1993. There you go, 93. But before that, because we've left it so long, it actually turned out quite good that we left it because I think we probably would have said a bunch of stuff that would have turned out quite out of date fairly quickly after we'd said it. As last week, I think we said that, you know, there wasn't any kind of official word on what United players were doing with the money and all that kind of stuff. And then it sort of started to trickle out pretty much immediately after that, didn't it?
1: Well, yes, sort of. Yes. So there's been a bunch of developments in the last uh, week and a bit. There's a big UEFA meeting, uh, which is, again, looking at trying to align all the leagues. So uh, sort of take it in chronological order. UEFA... Put its foot down and said, you will do what we want, otherwise your teams will be banned from European competitions and what they want is all the European leagues to be completed so they can start the next season in sync, Right, basically, to, to make sure that all the um, UEFA competitions can be completed and start again next season. The Belgian league actually ended their season, a game before the end. They have this weird system in Belgium where they have the main part of the season, then they're like a playoff system. So they've scrapped the playoff system and just finished the season with one game remaining and just said, we're freezing it there.
0: Did it, did, did any major, were there any major ramifications of that in terms of promotion, relegation, victory and that sort of stuff? I think they've
1: frozen relegation. And so they'll they'll take an extra couple of teams on in the top division. Uh, but but they they decide they're champions via this playoff system. So I guess it's the whoever's leading the league is now the champion. Right. Uh, That's
0: like one of the biggest But asterisks. UEFA aren't happy
1: about that because, and in fact, have threatened to kick Belgian teams out of UEFA competitions wow. because it's not in sync with what they want the rest of Europe to be. We got a little bit more information. There was a study came out this week saying that if the Premier League season doesn't finish, it could cost a billion pounds, uh, both in money they have to give back to some of the more militant broadcasters. Apparently, both BT and Sky are being quite militant about this, less sort of partner and more, you've ruined our product, we want our money back. Um, There's already uh, some overseas broadcasters, including uh, DAZN, DAZN, however you pronounce it, Um, who I think have the rights in Spain and Canada, who've said they are not paying the next instalment. We've seen something similar in Ligue 1 with uh, BN Sports and Canal Plus both saying they're not going to pay the next payments. Um, There's a question mark uh, over the payment for the FA Cup and so on. So a bunch of money stuff going on. And then there was the breakdown in the negotiations uh, between the PFA and the Premier League over what would happen... With the players' wages, so depending on who you are in the league, um, some of the clubs are in some pretty bad trouble. Like even without discussions about whether Sky or BT will ask for their money back, then trouble because they're not getting gate receipts and they're still paying players who right. make up the vast majority of the costs of of uh, Premier League football clubs. Yeah, so uh, that's why the chairman all want to deal. They were seeking 30% reduction in wages. This is all completely separate, by the way, from Matt Hancock having a go at footballers saying you should do your bit for society, which was just politicking. Basically, you know, take a prominent group and point at them, knowing that you'll, you'll be able to you know, create a diversion there. Completely separate. So there still isn't a deal between the players and the league. They're not going to put players on furlough. And they're not going to make them redundant. Uh, it's pretty pointless putting them on furlough,
0: to be honest. Well, yeah, because um, per- 80% of their wage. I mean, like, if the government have to play football as 80% of their wages, the couple going to
1: up to £2,500 a month. Right, okay
0: yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Of course. of course yeah they, they thought of this they did the, somebody thought at some point
1: oh yeah yeah so there's still that to be negotiated i mean it may well come at any point point. and then we had a bunch of announcements the players together announcement uh, they're going to a number of players i don't think it's all players but a number of players a, a have decided huge, to huge, support charities yeah. associated with the nhs
0: like a yeah. big number of players not just like a little yeah. handful it's um I mean yeah. it, it's not th- th-
1: this is uh, it, and it's not clear how much I don't think they announced that did they uh, but but this is to get ahead of the chairman basically, so now any move by the chairman, it's clear that that's, that we've separated those two issues one is about owners wanting to prop up their profit profitability another is about players like making sure that they get good PR and not vilified by politicians and presumably Um, and they were doing this well before Matt Hancock decided to get on a soapbox
0: and presumably in some cases also genuinely seeing themselves as people in a remarkably privileged position that have an enormous many, many
1: of them do and do tons of charity work either you know publicized or not publicized
0: yeah um, and of course, and
1: there was a really good piece that we we both read in Football Three Six Five by an anonymous player who uh, said in very colourful terms where uh, politicians can go shove their advice, but the, the, uh, and the, and the more important bit that they, the players do want to do something.
0: Well, I, you see, I actually think the most interesting thing about that was it was very, very, very not defensive about footballers because what he said was loads of players are really selfish and don't care as well so it wasn't at all like one-eyed it's a i think john mckenzie did it at the um the interview with the the anonymous player and it's v- incredibly forthright because he said like when fans sort of stick up for footballers it feels ridiculous because they shouldn't be the the money is insane and all this kind of stuff we'll talk we're going to do some bonus content about all that so we'll talk more about that um at the end of the show um the the thing that sort of telling in this in this moment like the the, the Matt Hancock thing so for those of, of course millions of millions not definitely not millions hundreds of people listening to this um who won't know who that is um he's the health secretary in the UK uh he's part of a government that have dramatically underfunded the National Health Service for the last 10 years and uh who are funded by billionaire interests and are going after a group of people when easily, like he could go after his mates, but obviously he won't be going after his mates. So anyway. Yes, I
1: mean there are according to the last Forbes uh, rich list, there are fifty-four billionaires in the UK, uh, precisely naught of which he called out for not funding the NHS enough. And and look, and to put it in context, the entire football industry in the UK is, is worth less than five billion pounds. Right, this is not a big industry. It feels big because the numbers, in terms of wages, are, are just astronomical compared to your average person's wages. Uh, not mine, obviously. You know, billionaire <laughs> playboy that I am. <laughs> right, um, but uh, but in terms of big business, it's pretty small. The NHS is about 115 billion pounds a year Mm. so it's a couple of weeks worth of funding if the entire industry just gave itself over to fund the nhs so yeah it's it's a sticking plaster on a gaping axe wound uh, in terms of funding but it's it's good pr from the footballers many of whom genuinely do want to do something and many of whom we found out from that article definitely don't yeah
0: um so uh, we don't know anything more, but there's a load of stuff going on, isn't there? And, and you know, it doesn't look like they're going to play the league, finish the league on an island in the summer. In a- no,
1: all these trial balloons have definitely been floating. Uh, yeah. Play all in China, play, you know, it's the. A- Quester everyone in some hotel somewhere for two weeks. All all of these, and then they're just none of them are really very feasible. The English Football League um, actually said today it was either leaked or floated that they could finish the 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 EFL divisions in fifty six days. So a couple of months they'd need to complete that. I, I suspect it'd be a bit longer for Premier League and European competitions, not least because. Not all the competitions will be able to start at the same time. Mm. Um, and there's some complexity there. Um, but, yeah, it's going to take a while. And and everything coming out of the government suggests that there's not going to be any opening up of, of general society, let alone mass events, for uh, until well into May. Uh, and then we'll see where we are from there. So it's going to be some, some time before um, footballers can get back to uh sport again and a very long time until there's crowds in stadiums.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, just like on a totally personal note, um I can't wait. Just can't wait to be old Trafford. Like it's gonna be so nice to be there. I was thinking about like uh cricket season and maybe there won't be any crowds at any cricket games this summer, but like, you know, unless something goes really wrong, there will be next summer. And it's going to be absolutely amazing. And just like just being at Old Trafford and the noise in those kind of first games back at Old Trafford, the first away ends, all that kind of stuff. Like it's a lot to look forward I to.
1: He's going to be good. Yeah. Just a long way. Um, Ollie gave um, a interview over Skype or Zoom uh, this week. Uh, in which he, I mean, he he's being kind of candid and it's a, it was a fair point, but he was sort of clumsy with his words. He said that United could exploit the situation, which is not really what he meant. No. I don't think he's saying, hey, we're going to take advantage of the fact that thousands of people are dying. Whoa, you know, great for us. He's saying that United are in a a good position to come out of this this whole situation um relatively stronger uh, i mean everyone's going to be absolutely weaker mm. in the industry and you know caveat it seems ridiculous talking about football when there's people dying in hospitals uh, but we are a football well, podcast we, we
0: talk about football all the time and there's always people dying in hospitals with um, vast absolutely. numbers so you
1: know. no no true true um and and anyway, so so United, in theory, could come out of this fairly strong because they have a good cash position, which is um, supported by a, a lot of commercial partners all around the world, and so they they're sort of hedged in a sense against global recession, um, and and against one source of income drying up, i.e., gate receipts. They they would be in some trouble if broadcasters start pulling money. There's a uh, piece in well on the papers this week estimating i think it was one of the football money analysts um estimating that it could for the the top teams cost around 100 million um in lost gate receipts and broadcast if the broadcaster said if they didn't finish the season the broadcaster say we want our money back mm-hmm. or withholding money or you have to give money back as part of the next deal which is the more likely way to do it uh, and and so that would sting, along with if you voided a season, United would be back in the Europa. That's a fifty million pound cost oh. there. So and what and of United costs? would it would hurt if they they had one hundred fifty million pounds less? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So um, worth saying as well, uh, the United themselves doing a bunch of community outreach stuff uh, with local NHS um charities yes. um and the nhs themselves so uh there's a bunch of a bunch of like united gifts are being given to nhs staff which is nice um but not a massive deal but a nice thing why not um and then a fleet of there of 16 vehicles which are the manchester united foundation trust Vehicles are being put on standby with volunteer drivers to help support NHS career operations. And then they've donated a bunch of medical equipment and consumables to the Salford Royal Hospital, protective equipment, dressings and other club medical supplies. And given that there's a nationwide shortage of long sleeve gowns in the NHS right now, things like this make a massive difference, you know. So. Yeah,
1: and, and uh, it's... It's it's small compared to the scale of what's needed, but it's material. It's it is going to help people. They donated all the food that they had yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah. this will definitely help people. I can't help feel a m- modicum of cynicism. There's you know a few pieces that said the Glazers insisted on this. I was like, okay, here we go. Here's the PR spin. Um, can <laughs> just uh, look. It, Any history of the Glazers' business practices will tell you, including what they did during the big financial crash, um, it will tell you that these guys couldn't give a toss. But this is very cheap for good PR compared to the costs um, that they're likely to see in terms of uh, market devaluation. They've already seen that. Asset devaluation in terms of the players' Broadcast and commercial um losses, which they will see, right? So, uh, this is very cheap for good publicity for what might come later. Yeah, anyway, that's the cynical part of me. Of course, it makes a material difference as well. Yeah, and that's good.
0: And that, you know, they're talking about using Old Trafford if it's needed for blood drives and things like that. So, you know, great. Um, bet- better that they do it than not in this case. Um, and yeah, we'll always we'll always be aware of the cynicism of the PR, but like yeah, um, it's one of those things where a small amount of help, a relatively small amount of help, is a big deal to a fairly sizable number of people, kind of thing. Um, and even if it's only a couple, it makes a huge difference. So, so anyway, um, and yeah, just uh, just before we we take a little break and then come back and talk about football, just on like we we love you guys and like um to those people that are out there on the front lines you've just got i can only speak for myself but you've got my heart completely like um the 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 personal sacrifices you know like we talk a lot about um inherently so in the uk we have to stay in our houses almost all the time except under specific circumstances a lot of people are you know frustrated and tired and impatient with being at home but I tell you what, I would take being frustrated and tired and impatient with being at home versus being a bus driver or, you know, delivery staff or NHS frontline workers, like this is a much cushier sacrifice to make than the people actually out there doing it.
1: Oh, for sure. Yes. My frustrations at trying to work from home with two kids pale in comparison to to getting um, the mother load of the coronavirus. Every day, Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, working in a hospital. And by the way, um, obviously a lot of our listeners from Manchester, an uh, interesting piece in the uh, paper today about police breaking GMP breaking up more than 500 parties last weekend. Come on, people. It's
0: crazy. It's absolutely Come crazy.
1: On. I know they love a party in Manchester. <laughs> I've been to several. <laughs> but not for a while, mind you. I'm old now. Yeah. But... You know, you're going to have plenty of time to party. Yeah, uh, plenty of time. Absolutely.
0: Um, anyway, let's take a break. Yeah, and come back. Uh, with uh, Rewind the clock. 30 years? Oh, God. Nearly. Near enough. All right, here's a break. We hope you're enjoying the No Question About That podcast. We are open for sponsorship, so if uh, you run the kind of business that would be interested in uh, sponsoring our show, just drop us an email at nqatpod at gmail.com. All right, I'm buzzing to talk about this game. So, uh, 1993, United had won the title the season before, and we now know that that would lead to an unprecedented two decades of absolute relentless glory in all different forms, including the pinnacles of the 1999 treble and the 2008 European Cup and League double. Uh, multiple FA Cup and League doubles. We, n- we didn't know any of that was going to happen in 1993. All we knew is we'd won the league once, and uh, that context I think is like really quite significant. We'd just gone out of Europe that week, the week before that, and Eric Cantona yeah. had been hammered. The, the, the
1: famous gaming is Galatasaray, yeah.
0: Like Cantona's attitude had been criticised because uh, he got sent off. And then he punched. We got sent
1: off, and he punched someone in the tunnel. (laughs) So I mean, there's some fantastic stories about that Galatasaray game. Maybe it's one we'll uh, we'll look back on in this series. Um, But yeah, to come to Main Road after that, yeah, great, great, great context, and I mean, great team in the making here. And you can see it on the pitch, can't you? In this game. I mean, it's a fantastic game as well, you know, real end to end ding donger the whole way through.
0: Yeah, so in the the game we just did um last week was a, a game where United were losing quite badly at half time and came back and won the game. Which you know, 2-0 down at half time in this one and came back and won it 3-2. But that Spurs game is like two different football matches. This one very much isn't. It's just things go for City in the first half and United turn up the gas a bit in the second half.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. It's uh, I mean, obviously, United go on to win the title by a fair distance. So, you know, they are a very good team and they, they win double, in fact, because they win the FA Cup. They'd won the charity shield. So that makes three trophies. <laughs> Jose's <lore>. law. <laughs> three, three, <laughs> yeah, three. Naughty Jose, naughty <clears throat> uh, for his training of his players in the park. And just being Jose, um, right? Not quite there at it in Europe, but the makings of a you know Fergie's first really good side here, and and you can just just see the I quality mean, all around the pitch. They move the ball really quickly. Have to say, it feels like a modern team for sure. And we talked about this in this series quite yeah. a bit, um, but uh, yeah, it just feels like a really high quality team. Everyone knows what they're doing. Uh, there, there, there's there's some flexibility even though it's a straight up 4-4-2 I mean certainly Cantona's yeah. everywhere
0: well so is Roy Keane and so to the team's detriment on occasion was Paul Ince um who uh, th- yes yes a lot of energy yeah, about him that second that second yeah. City goal will come onto it but like it is hilarious you kind of looking around going he was just in the frame and you realize he broke ahead of the ball with the rest of the entirety of the midfield. We watched Lou Van Hal football for two years going, someone please break ahead of the ball. But I don't think at any point have we ever thought, everyone, please break ahead of the ball. <laughs> so it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh
1: it's i mean in in uh of course you know kicked out the club two years after this uh for being a big time charlie and and not following his manager's orders and all of that maybe you can see a little bit of that Keane, of course arrived this the summer before so he's, he's fresh four or five months into being a yeah united play let's say he was does, And that
0: funny haircut that he had then when it was before he decided to have a haircut and it was just like what happened on the top of his head um the uh, the thing I want to ask you is you'd said at the end of the last show that you're pretty sure that you were at this game.
1: I was pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I was at this game. Yeah, it's like a Sunday evening game, and uh, but I was in uh, the um, I've forgotten what God. What's the uh, what was the stand called with the sort of the curly roof? Forgotten its name anyway. I was in there with a bunch of people who had got some illicit tickets. And uh, made our way amongst the city supporters. What, was it yeah. one
0: where you had to like sit on your hands, or was it one where there was enough? Yeah, yeah sit on your okay.
1: hands. And to Roy Keane scores with three minutes to go. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, it's. I've done. That it sounded times. like there was a very, very, very large number of United fans in there. From the sound of the singing, um, like it felt very. Cu- yeah, well, more. Than, I mean, he
1: says at one point in the commentary, "He's five and a half thousand oh, fans okay. here and, in thirty yeah. something." So that's,
0: that's yeah. why it sounded like such a big number. I, I missed that. Um, the uh, what was it? Because you were really young when you were doing this. Like you were still at school, right? Maybe doing alet. Yeah, but I, I, I was going with um,
1: supporters' coach to a yeah. lot of games from like 16 yeah. or something like that 15 16 yeah around the country so um i mean not as young as many who do it so perhaps not on their own yeah, exactly i think that's the <laughs> so, somehow convinced my uh mum that i'd uh i was allowed to do that but um yeah i mean so yeah it's just group and and we, for away games we quite often managed to get tickets via someone who knew someone yeah. who knew someone
0: so yeah um the uh The thing about going to football at that time is like you're guaranteed electricity in the atmosphere in a way that you're kind of not now. Now you might get it. I mean, you probably get it at every United City game more or less, but um, but it is unrecognisable, isn't it? The the atmosphere in the in the air.
1: Yeah, I mean, away away. um, I mean, obviously, went to a lot more away games in the nineties than I am able to now. ball and chain and kids. Yeah. the three ball and Mm-mm. chains and I like,
0: joking, joking. Are you saying United joking, Kids all. wife in that order? Is that what you're saying, Ed?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um uh, and there was always a great atmosphere on the road, but there is now. Yeah. So I think the United away support has always been awesome. I mean there's a fair bit of um I'd say, uh, troublemaking at United Aways in the nineties. As well, at least I saw. Not that I took part, of course. Did you know. ever
0: have to fight anyone at football?
1: Came <laughs> like, <No. you> <laughs> fairly close, right. actually, but right.
0: no, no. <laughs> I so, what was the closest kind of you ever got to having to so, fight someone at a football match?
1: Well, it really kicked off at Bramall Lane uh, Cup right. game once, and and there were a lot of people right. fighting because there really wasn't any barrier between. You know, Bramall Lane's got these kind of well, yeah, I think it still does has uh, kind of open yeah. corners. And you could easily get across and people did. So, yeah. That all uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um I'm glad you I'm glad you made it out in one piece, Ed. <laughs> um so alright, back to the game. Starts at um, N Q A T, the hooligan years. <laughs> the, the avoiding being a hooligan years. Uh there's <laughs> the uh um, what is it accomplice to petty larceny years as you stood stood and <laughs> yeah, yeah, ate yeah. stolen cream eggs I would,
1: I would say some of it wasn't <laughs> that petty but yeah
0: i just it, it, it's, it's easter so it feels appropriate to tell the cream egg story at this point where you're on the supports coach on the way back and a man stole a box of cream eggs and shared them around <laughs> shared the spoils
1: there was a, that, that, that. I really. Yeah, it was so naughty T- turning up at a, like a service station on Yem, yeah, whatever, and just emptying the local store.
0: Can't think of why football fans have a terrible <laughs> reputation in this country. I know. Um, all right, so the game starts. Anyway, there was a game. United line game. up in a four four two, Um And. What 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 formation
1: would you call City I don't formation? really know. I mean, it's weird. I mean, sort of five in yeah, the back, kind of. wasn't it? Five, two, yeah. three.
0: So, three, front three. Yeah, and, but... and, like, Terry Phelan, was he nominally playing at wing back? But he's in United's half the entire time. Yeah. Um, there's a lovely bit where they talk about how he grew up a red, all his friends are red, all his family are red. Um, the game starts at a million miles an hour, just absolutely out of the blocks instantly. And then there's, like, some... Proper Route One, oh, Manchester City think of themselves as the local club. It's like, oh yeah, and one of their local players grew up a massive red and you know, it's, it's, it's such a you know, obviously United did have a kind of global fan base even then. Um and, you know, and certainly a national fan base even then, but the idea that, that you don't get United fans in Manchester is the most preposterous the idea that this was like Uh, The major football broadcaster kind of perpetrating that idea. It was crazy.
1: Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, it was kind of interesting for sort of 15 minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, so fast. I mean, you could call it scrappy because it was just, you know, trying to get the ball forward, tackles flying in, uh, competition for every ball, uh, never relented. There's no, there's no one putting a foot on the ball there and, and uh, distributing it. Is there? And Keane and Ince in, in the United midfield. Uh, you know, I mean, we talked about Keane being a great passer. It wasn't passing they were trying to do at this stage of the game. But good entertainment, I think. I mean, Canton struggled to get into the match. I think second half, he really did get into the match and I think he was pretty influential. Obviously, because he scores goals, but just beyond that. First twenty minutes, he's a bit he's a bit quiet first twenty minutes.
0: He turned it on, didn't he?
1: Yeah, and that's only like five minutes in or something. Yeah, like so that, yeah.
0: um Hughes gets a chance, he gets ahead of the cross. Cross comes in from the right and he's kind of got got himself ahead Yeah, very early. Schmeichel and Keane nearly kill each other. Um, with oh, a okay. collision in the box. <laughs> no, not for the last time, I'd say, oh, <laughs> on that one. So <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. They would go on to repeatedly try and kill each other over many years. Um, the the thing about Keane in this game, which is totally different to the other games we've seen, which he played in, is he is fully, fully, fully a box-to-box. he's getting ahead as a of the ball. I mean, he yeah. is. He's the more advanced. Yeah, um, yeah and including
1: yeah. that, that uh, yeah. early chance and, yeah, and several more. Away. And, and uh, they... They, the commentators talk about him in those terms. He's considered, like, the new Brian Robson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Frank Lampard's kind of role, right? Third man runs all the time. I mean, there's one where Sharpie puts the... Sharp who is just a joy to watch. Like, you can see why as a teenager I was completely captivated by him because untucked shirt and just, just a real kind of swagger and ease of movement and a real kind of, like... I don't know, Garincha to Ryan Giggs's Pele or something. I don't know like this. There's, <laughs> there's, do you know what I mean? Though there's, there's First a kind of Lee
1: Sharp's had that uh, 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 and that particular comparison.
0: But he he had this. He had a kind of like swagger and magic about him in a way. Giggs was much more sort of direct and you know he did have the floaty run. But Giggs was faster than Sharp. Sharp was Sharp had a kind of like an outrageous dribble in him. Um, he he puts in a cross and it goes over everyone and keen has a shot from a van basten-esque angle and then there's the 1v1 which keen kind of called himself out for in the post-match interview that he should have scored it and he really should have scored it he, he just sort
1: of it's sharp that put him away there yeah yeah i yeah, have my notes 13 minutes in gets into it scrapper <laughs> <laughs> it was the first time
0: he started fighting anyone uh, uh- the 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 key like the main event that's the undercard isn't it because the main event is definitely Hughes versus McMahon in the second half where there's there's like I mean I'm sure there's actual bloodshed but there's definitely chunks of flesh taken out of people's (laughs) thighs aren't there
1: Yes, McMahon, a player who never really took any prisoners. I mean, a decent player, not a a great one, but uh, um, no love lost between him and the United supporters,
0: obviously. So the first City goal then is my next note, unless you've got anything before that. The first City goal, Paul Lynch's decision to get ahead of the ball. So United have the ball, um, they, they, they lose it in midfield and you're looking around for someone to sweep up, but... Uh, both wingers and both central midfielders are not just ahead of the ball, they are like far on the other side of it and it's basically the entire city front five congregate on United's back four and it's it's kind of too easy for them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and a great header by Quinn, uh, who that's, I guess, what he did now, Quinn, before he became a football
0: administrator. He, uh, he scored headers. It's interesting because... The this, this sort of commentary on it was sort of seemed to be like like David White, a player who I genuinely don't remember one, existing one Cap white was city's kind of star player, so yeah right. he
1: um he 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 played like nearly four hundred games for the city and right um yeah, was this kind of direct winger but never really achieved much um except for one period. I think it might have been in this season or maybe the one before where he scored in like 10 games in a row or something like that. got his one England cap and never played for England again.
0: Right. Um, so yeah, the commentators are kind of like, he's the big star and Quinn is a sort of like, you know, journeyman head on a stick kind of thing. But like now Quinn goes on to have like a very prominent football career and score a lot of goals for a really long time after this. Um, uh one not very long after this The, the Keane has a shot there's a there's a Cantona air shot that happens and then it's just too easy for Niall Quinn who um the cross comes in from Phelan doesn't it and uh he just uh, heads home trivially easy gets over Gary Pallister or maybe the maybe the first one the cross comes in from Phelan and this one's from the other side
1: no, no I think Phelan anyway, puts in um, uh, the right. the cross right. for the the header again um but it's second phase yeah. of play, United don't clear it properly, not great defending again. Bruce and Palester. Told you they were rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean just yeah, not really concentrating, got you know, City with the overload, uh, United not defending from the front. Yeah. Not not awesome uh, to get no. yourself in that position. Uh, and, and you know Quinn, Quinn scores goals. And then. Sort the, the, of. T-
0: 2 0 up, and they're kind of like against the run of play, really. United have had a lot more chances. It's not like totally ridiculously against the run of play, but you know, I'd say that United had the better of the exchanges, didn't they? Apart from City were kind of clinical on two counter attacks, really. Um,
1: and then, yeah, there's a great bit just before half time where they all get into it handbags, <laughs> a lot of pushing and shoving, um. I think Hughes stamps on Quinn at one point. Yeah. Uh, I've written I've Barely written, a scratch. Flickcroft kicks
0: Hughes, uh White barges into Hughes, they're all having a go at him. I I've written Hughes tries to kill Quinn in my notes. That might have been that might been a tackle after half time. Um, you always liked a bit of melodrama, didn't you, Paul? <laughs> was, uh, yeah. Jim, There's... Little, <laughs> little, <laughs> little mini stamp. Yeah. Uh and then uh, McMahon goes right in hard on Hughes after halftime and then Hughes like just fully lashes out at him in a kind of like very, not in an instinctive way, but in a kind of like, okay, these are the rules. This is how the game's played. If you're going to do that to me, this is what I'm going to do to you. Um That that kind of agreement. I was going to say gentleman's agreement, but it's very it's profoundly ungentlemanly in all aspects. And the referee books, both of them. Um I mean... Almost every tackle in this game is just a straight red now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, man's game back then, wasn't it? Uh, they should have probably been three up before half time. Of course, City had great chance for Quinn to for his hat trick right in the cusp of half time. It wouldn't have been fair cause, because United are in this game as much as City are for sure. But uh, it's it's a good chance and could have been three, and that would have been the game. You imagine.
0: Oh, not, not necessarily so. not necessarily that would have been the game we just watched a game that you know were 3-0 down at half time and one five three. 5 3 so you know anything could have happened i mean united definitely turned it on in the second half didn't they there's it's not like city didn't have any chances or certainly like any chances to create chances as it were like moments of danger on the counter attack but united just looked looked the cut above that they were in the second half of this game so they're into it
1: straight away in the second half um, Palista has a good chance from a, another second phase. Um, Konchal斯基 is running at players. This is all before Cantonar gets one back in the fifty third third minute. United, it's not against a run player play. United are completely on top by this point.
0: Mm. And then there's like a period of decent city pressure out of after the goal. But talk us through the, that Cantonar goal.
1: Well, it's, it's a piece of awful defending to start with. Um, it's Michel Vonk. Remember him?
0: Literally, no. No, 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 yeah. No, I, apart from Terry Phelan and Niall Quinn and Steve McMahon, obviously, I don't really remember any of the City team.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, anyway, so sort of backheader from Michel Vonk, and and it helps uh, Cantonal break away and. And he's just completely clinical. It's, it, 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 he. Uh, there's no no concern at any moment that he's not going to score, uh, and he does.
0: It's really nice watching Eric Cantona. He's just like it, when he takes over the game in the second half, which he really does. He scores two, but he's also um, what is it that the Tyler says the 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 conductor conducting the orchestra with his magic wand or something like that. Um It's, he just is, he's just brilliant. He, and you know, we know Cantona has this reputation for performances in, in Derby's in particular with city. That was like a big, a big aspect of his folklore. And he, he did it here. And just like, you can almost see him go, Oh, Oh, I'm needed. Okay, great. I'll, I will be the King then. And bestride my kingdom, um, and just it's fascinating watching him and Hughes because in theory they're sort of similar players. I mean, they're definitely built similar, and um, you know that it's neither of them you would say is a natural number nine. But Hughes definitely defaults to being the number nine when Cantona's around, doesn't he? Even though, yeah, for I sure, he, yeah,
1: I mean, Cantona just has much more freedom to to go find his own space. And he doesn't really have to. He doesn't really seem to have any rules imposed on him at all. He just go do what he wants, and he does. And not not even Keane is going to tell him what to go do. So he's he's it's fascinating. The leader.
0: It's, it's fascinating. So Michael Coxon is a really in a really good book, um, which is the I can't remember what it's called. It might be called might be called Zonal Marking, but it's a it's the history of tactics from the in the Premier League era. And he he kind of we did we interviewed him on this show actually, and and he said this to me uh, on, on that interview that it turned out perhaps unsurprisingly in retrospect that the hero of this book is really Alex Ferguson because over the Premier League era he's the one who is putting these tactical innovations in place at the highest level of anyone in the in the division. He'll take things that happen around him and inculcate it and then replicate it where where it's of value to him. But he talked about the arrival of Cantona as being this massive tactical shift in British football in general. And within two seasons, basically all the top clubs were trying to buy their equivalent of Eric Cantona, a sort of foreigner number 10 who would play in a free role behind the attacker. And, and, you know, how many times we talked about Fergie's man management being his most incredible quality, And here we have like the ultimate, ultimate example of his man management, which is just to not manage Eric Cantona and to manage him by having a cup of tea with him at training every single day. There's no other players whose United career, they had to tea with Alex Ferguson every single day, but Eric Cantona did.
1: Well, there's no other player that Fergie was racing around the streets of Paris on a Vespa to go (laughs) and hunt down either, so... Uh he was he was obviously, you know, Ferguson saw the importance of, of Cantona to to United, you know, whereas other managers didn't famously didn't see the importance of uh Eric Cantona to their teams. France paid the penalty, of course, uh yeah. failing to qualify for the nine nine four World Cup. Um anyway, so it's uh he, he gets the um when when's when's it's 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 the first in fifty second minute and then United are on top a lot basically until he gets the second. Um, Pallister has another good chance. Two good chances for Gary Pallister in this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, good, good on the ball, good. I mean, and and hey, listen, if all the midfielders are breaking ahead of the ball, why not one of the centre backs as well? <laughs> because this is early nineties football. <laughs> it's fun for everyone. <laughs>
1: I mean there's it's incredible how many players United do get ahead of the ball in these games.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
1: this is this is uh Ferguson pre Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo and you know, feeling like he had to change it up in Europe to, to continue to be successful. I mean it's even there's a phase before that as well. This is Ferguson before he really understood anything about European football.
0: I think. Well, he'd already won. He'd already already won 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 a
1: couple of European trophies, but I don't, I mean, at the very
0: highest level. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, But he didn't need to play at the very highest level to beat City. He just needed to like attack for 90 minutes, which is basically what they did. Uh, Kanchelskis gets through one on one. Uh, and Cohen makes a pretty good save, but it felt like there was a cut across available to Kanchelskis. Not necessarily a, a head up player. I don't think of Kanchelskis as being a.
1: Andre Kanchelskis. I mean, his signature move, you might think it'd be like down the right wing, get across in. It's not. It's get the ball and run sort of aimlessly in field. And often something great would come from that aimless running but a lot of the time it was just like i'm gonna drift in field with the ball now i'm not gonna release it i'm just gonna keep going and keep going and keep going so yes uh, not uh, really I mean, a team player low on the the team player rating in football manager whatever the rating is haven't played that game for years
0: he um he was so much fun though and he's beloved by their like there are a section of the subsection of United supporters who like have an a profound affection for Andrey Kanchelskis because he oh, kind Yeah, of... I mean he's a great like, exciting to watch.
1: Yeah. Very exciting. And he's got that hat-trick against City as well. So yeah. any player who does that.
0: Uh, Schmeichel makes a really good save. Not long after Coton's made that good save, White is one-on-one with Schmeichel, and he makes a just a classic Schmeichel fine one-on-one save. Um and then uh, Giggs' first-time ball, for Eric Cantona's goal. Well, he's he's only
1: on the field a couple of minutes before that, isn't he? So yeah. the days of you only got one substitute or whatever it was.
0: <laughs> three, was it still three on one the bench? And... Wow! Still that you... far that far back that it was only one substitute allowed.
1: Yeah, I can't remember whether you got two. One or two substitutes from your three, but I think it might have only been one God, in amazing, Yeah, I can't remember when they went to two. Um, but, yeah, he comes on in the 76th minute and it's a couple of minutes later that uh, he uh, he sets up Cantona. It's just a beautiful touch from Giggs, isn't it? The first-time ball. So just nice. instinctive, like cutting out two or three players with the pass um, and it's just a tap-in.
0: And it's it, for those people that haven't watched this match and are somehow listening to this anyway, it's from the right because he comes on uh, for Kanchaskis and plays on the right wing with Sharp staying on the left wing. And the ball floats out to him around the sort of corner of the penalty area. And it's, I don't know, it's like a through ball cross hybrid, isn't it? It's kind of like an, in, it, it's more like a, a diagonal through ball than a cross per se. And yeah, Cantona at back post. Lovely jubbly.
1: <laughs> Lovely jubbly. Yeah, I mean, this is Giggs at uh, 19, just come off the FA Youth Cup winning side, of which he played a significant part of the, the season before. So, he, you know, this is him integrating his way into the team, sometimes played four sharp, sometimes they played together. I think actually quite a lot of his early games, Giggs played off the right, to accommodate Sharp. Um, I mean, I guess it's not long after this that Sharp's sort of out of the team and Giggs yeah. is fully in it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but they Sharp had more to contribute at this point. It still has more to, more to do and uh, is instrumental in that last-minute goal because United are pushing. Is there another big chance before the goal? I'm not sure there is, is there? Not really. Um, but there's... An absolutely lovely layoff from Lee Sharp to Dennis Irwin in the build up to the goal. So it's the 87th minute, balls on the left, Sharp just lays it off. So idyllic, perfect waiting, very high skill layoff to Irwin, who puts in like a pretty perfect back post cross. But the really perfect thing about it is it looks like it's going to arrive on Mark Hughes's head in the middle of the goal, which causes all the City defenders to flood around him. Understandably so, actually. Um, But it just whizzes past Hughes' head. But Roy Keane has followed the ball in at the back post and smashes home from no range whatsoever. Cue wild scenes of jubilation. Wild scenes. Yes, much
1: jubilation there was to be had. And uh, yeah, Keane Keane loved that one as well, didn't he?
0: (laughs) he really did it's it's funny to see him as such a young man and and you know he's got a lot of what was to come is there in kind of nascent latent form but he's a such a different player and and a different man cuz he's a kid in this team you know and he talks in his first autobiography about how this was the team that had his mates in it and the team that he played the teams that he played with later he always felt like a little bit removed from the class of 92, or you know, there's in fact, he said it's their team that you know, this that was my team and this is their team, even though he was still an important part of it. And you can sort of see that he's just one of the lads at this point. Roy Keane is, um, he's not captain, is he? No, nowhere near. Um, this is still Steve Bruce, captain, isn't it? Um, uh,
1: yeah, I assume it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: uh this because I think this is the season of the captain's log video, if I remember yeah. correctly yeah Bruce
1: is captain then cantonal takes over yeah
0: yeah and the uh most important thing that happens in this season of course is the release of status quos uh come on you reds um which is basically like i said at the end of the last show reads out the team sheet for this game uh mid uh, midway for it i really love this team i mean you know we talk so much like it's not like it's news to say that the 93 94 team was incredible but that is an absolutely incredible t- I mean, there just is not a weakness in that starting 11. Um, no, I mean, they lost
1: four games in a 42 game Premier League season, two oh. of those to Chelsea. And, um, it, yeah. So, yeah, t- top, top quality team. Um, City, not a top quality team. No, it'd, lots be, of- uh, it'd be some years, it'd be 15 years before uh, someone would. Uh, yeah, you know, turn them into their plaything and make them a top quality team.
0: Yeah, I mean they 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 played a lot of heart in this game. You know they weren't they weren't bad, but they were considerably. Plucky. You might say plucky. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate actually. Um, and fighty, obviously. But United were very fighty. I mean, listen, how are you? Like you've got to be fighty to play against this United team. But yeah, like, so Schmeichel, one of the best goalkeepers ever. Parker, international quality right back. Irwin, one of the best left backs ever to play the game. Whatever you say, Bruce and Pallister, an excellent central defensive partnership. Excellent. (laughs) Um, And Keane and Ince, I mean, just both fierce and gifted. Um, And Giggs or Sharp. And Kanchauskas or Giggs. And then up front, Hughes and Cantona. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrifying and electrifying. It's, a, it's no wonder this is a lot of people's favourite ever United team, basically. A lot of people who are almost exactly the age that you and I are. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe not they people could They would... could pass you off the pitch, they could fight you off the pitch.
0: It yeah. didn't matter. And they sort of did both to city. Um, so, yeah, uh, this was a really fun game. And uh, next up, we're going back to the well... Um, United deep into the well yes, so we are going back to the olden days uh, this game is available on Footballia, as uh, many of the games that we are watching are, and it is from 1988 the 87-88 season anyway, uh, Manchester United 3, Tottenham Hotspur 3 a game that long time uh, artists formerly known as RankCast listeners will Remember me talking about over and over again whenever the opportunity arises. We've done two two United Tottenham games in quick succession, but there's not a single one of the same players on either one of the teams because the games are like 15 years apart and it's basically a different sport. So the fact that the two teams are the same is fine, I think. Um, I'm really excited to go back and revisit this one and see if it's as good as I remember from having it on VHS back in the day. I'm sure it
1: will be. Yeah. Looking forward to it.
0: Brilliant um so in the meantime as always please do take really good care of yourselves and do all the good smart things to help take care of everyone else um and uh patreon backers even though it's a thursday stay tuned because we're going to do the bonus content we didn't do uh when i took sunday off uh we're taking this weekend off because it's easter and my birthday and uh, ed's shaking his head because he's disgraced he's disgusted by my uh reluctance to i've disgraced myself as well but
1: uh, it's been a long time recording this part i just couldn't wait
0: yeah um so uh we'll be back with another show next thursday uh, in the meantime patreon backers stay tuned and we'll speak to everyone else then see you then